Whatever I said negative about the desert last year when I came through, I take it all back. This is so epically beautiful. It's such a different experience than what I had last year. I, I cannot believe how these views, I mean, I can't. I'm trying to get off this mountain and I don't want to leave. But I keep lingering because I just, I can't imagine anything like being prettier than this. And it was not what I saw last year, but what a difference a year makes and timing makes and weather. But incredible, absolutely incredible. Trail mile 55 or so. Welcome to Season 2 of A Long Walk North. Today's episode is brought to you by Triple Crown Coffee, Purple Rain Adventure Skirts, and the Thruer Hiking Community. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to this episode. My name is Dan. Me and my daughter, we're going to be hiking the Pacific Crest Trail in 2024, which is, I believe it's 470-something days away. Uh, Leading up to the, you know, leading up to our hike, we've reached out to other hikers, hikers that have hiked the PCT, or going to be hiking the PCT just to sort of pick their brain and just to get to know the community. On the trail, we'll probably switch our podcast into more of an update uh, so friends and family can follow along more, just see what we're up to. Uh, We're still trying to figure out how we're going to do a podcast from the trail, but it's actually probably easier than we think. I mean, talking, just basically talking is easy. I'm, I'm guilty for it all the time. I'm a talker. The guest today, I'm a fangirl, and the reason why is I love YouTube videos for the storytelling. Uh, See, I started off playing around with YouTube, actually just playing around with making videos. I started a one second everyday, I'm all excited now. I started a one second everyday project, and I found, I was frustrated by it, because sometimes I did two cool things in a day, and I could only record a second. And sometimes I couldn't even get a whole sentence if somebody said something and I wanted to document it. So I started to cheat. You know, maybe I would put eight seconds of a day in there. Anyways, bottom line, it turned into these little vlogs. It's on my personal YouTube channel. They're kind of cheesy. I didn't do it for the views. I only did it to document my life. My kids got to see it. Obviously, we, I, separated with their mom. And so it just gave them a little peek into my life and and what I'm up to. And also to document the times that we're together. I made these things with my phone. So I sort of understand. And I tried to do a good job with the music, voiceovers, that sort of thing. And so I really admire people who vlog on the trail, on the PCT. Because it must be difficult when other people are, you know, having having a drink, sitting around a campfire all that kind of stuff. Sometimes people are editing, the ones that are doing vlogs, or when they get in their tent, they're editing when they should be sleeping, getting their rest for the next day. And so I really admire the people that do vlogs on the PCT. And don't get me wrong, sometimes people just do vlogs because they want to document their trip for their friends and family. They don't really expect the public to watch. 
Some people want to do a really kick-ass job, whether it's educational or, you know, sort of make something very cinematic. And so the next guest, I think, trying to think, I believe he had the best vlog last year in PCT class of 2022. There was some others though, but let's talk about Magnet Northbound. That's the YouTube channel. And I think he did a bang up job at a great summary of a hike, of just capturing the moments without the, you know, good morning, you know, today we're doing this, yesterday it was cold, last night it was cold, really windy, you know. And there's nothing wrong with those vlogs too. Um, because everybody sort of vlogs the way they vlog, kind of like vlog your own hike. Anyways, let's get into our first guest, our only guest, which is James, lives out in, in Oregon, which I'm jealous of. And I wanted to talk to him about the trail. And I've actually peppered into this, you know, episode is his thoughts actually from the trail because it's more raw. Obviously, it's how he was feeling. It, it's his thoughts of what was going through his mind. And then in between his uh, audio segments of that, I ask him questions about different things or to sort of back up things that he talked about or just general questions about the trail. So I hope you enjoy this one. I think this will be a fun episode, a little bit different than other episodes, I guess. There's show notes as well. So things that we talk about and links to things, I will put in the show notes. And it should be in the description and be a clickable link. If you go to the podcast section on our website, hikethepct.ca, then we have a podcast section. Okay, here's our chat with Magnet, a.k.a. James. Enjoy. Charging down those craggy mountains with our thrift store friends. Who you find so, so in love with the fallen earth? In the middle of the fallen night With the summer playing coy Hey Dan, I'm alright, how are you? I just learned your name because it says it's James Yeah, that's right, that's my non-trail name What do people call you on trail? Magnet did you have that trail name before? Yeah, I got it in uh, 2019. Uh, wife gave it to me because we, we we actually my wife and I started hiking sections together when we were like first getting into the trail, and then she just kind of got over it, and then I I got more and more into it, and so yeah, she she gave me the name, so I've had it since 2019. Nice. I mean, yeah. you live in a beautiful part of the world. Yeah, gosh, I thought I, I, I thought I did too. <laughs> no, I know it's still beautiful, but like the stuff I saw on the, the PCT was insane. I think, you know, I think about Oregon is like it's, it's got a little bit of everything, but it's, it doesn't do any one thing, like the best. I guess I would say, <laughs> you know, like there's bigger this and there's big there's there's more vast that somewhere but we have we just dabble in everything so you like get quite a variety here i don't know too much about oregon i mean obviously i always feel that it's it's very i mean sure you have a couple big cities but you must have all these like little towns or kind of like mountain towns i guess yeah mountain towns desert towns and coast towns there's a lot of small stuff a lot of agriculture too 
But when you when you guys come through on the PCT, you won't see much of any of that. It just stays in the you know in the high mountains. Everybody gets to Oregon, and it's like the big two week race. Yeah, well, they they started too late. <laughs> That's... That's my opinion. But um, yeah, I know every year because we we've been on the trail since 2019 and been hosting hikers that are we we like Trail Angel and stuff. We all, we've hosted hikers every year, so the last four years, and uh, everybody rushes through Oregon, and I know why. They've been telling me forever. Yeah, usually everyone's behind on time and worried about finishing on time in front of the weather, getting staying in front of the fires, and Oregon's pretty flat, and the mosquitoes are pretty horrible too. So yeah, it's, that, like, it's, I could see that as a, a catalyst to try to, and then plus people want to maybe do that. 24 hour challenge so then they you know they might even bust out 60 miles in a day yeah well i sure didn't do that in oregon <laughs> last year i came through the desert and did the first 700 miles of the trail which this year i'm repeating uh but with plans to do the entire trail um but the conditions have been so much nicer unbelievable so i i started this time two weeks earlier i don't even know if that's it or it's just luck i mean it's only been you know three days i should probably shut up but uh almost no wind perfect tense like it's been a wetter year and so it's greener it's just been it's been really awesome so uh, we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes for the north and obviously you don't know there's a storm coming in tonight or, or tomorrow to last through most of the weekend so but i'm going to be in julian so like perfect timing for that i don't know everything's awesome so far so and look at this camp spot i got Sweets, so cool. I can see the entire Anza Borrego desert from camp and I couldn't camp like this last time because the wind was so bad. You had to hide all the time and look at this. Okay, so the first cool. thing I want to talk about is, I was, like I said, I'm a YouTube fangirl. Before, okay, obviously, you know, you have three videos from 2021. They're kind of instrumental, really yeah. good videos, right? Yeah. But you wanted to take, you wanted to, so before you did the PCT, you wanted to sort of try out vlogging. My goal this year is to uh, to vlog this thing, which I didn't really do that last year. I didn't do it like in any kind of live format. I just posted some stuff on Instagram. So this one, I'm gonna try to YouTube it and uh, keep it like up to date. I kind of decided that one way, I, one thing I want to do different that is uh, I want to talk about like I don't know thoughts and different things in addition to show you guys like you know the experience and where I'm at and the people I meet and stuff like that uh, so much of this journey is like is mental and, and it's, it's things that you kind of go through in, in your head and, and problems that you solve and healing that you do and I'm gonna talk about some of that that's what I decided just to make it I guess worthwhile just talk about a little bit before you started what was like your general like vlog goals because i'm a little bit of a planner like i'm thinking about how i want to do the vlog now kind oh, yeah. of but what was sort of like your vlog goals of what you wanted to try to put out okay well i can tell you that i there's a lot of you know documentaries and and vlogs out there as popular as the PCT is getting. And so I think one of my goals was for sure not to be repetitive because most of the stuff that I would see was just like kind of like informational, you know, and, th and 
I guess this is where we camped. This is what we ate. This is how many miles we did. We don't need to talk about the specific distances and camps and, you know, that stuff. Cause that's been covered to death. Right. So if I'm going to, if I'm going to spend, wait, spend my time, I shouldn't say waste my time. If I'm going to spend my time doing something, it's gotta be unique. It's gotta be more, I gotta focus on something else about the hike. That's not that. And so I just got, I, I spent so much time out there hiking in, in, in my own head. I think everyone does, but I'm especially just, my mind's just going and going. And so I'm, I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about some of the, you know, behind the scenes, like thoughts and changes and the loneliness that can happen to you and um, the things the trail can do for you, for your mind and for your peace of mind. And I talk about like memories and coming to terms with, you know, things in my life. And I'm going to just kind of combine that with music and scenery and, and people and events. But the focus was that the focus wasn't, the events and, and the trail and the miles, it was the experience, I guess, in my, how I was seeing it, feeling it. I want to make vlogs a little bit like yours in a way, because I know that I'm going to have a lot of time to kind of like think of the talking points I want to say, or yeah. even the topic. Right. And I, I do like the voiceovers. Like it's hard because there is so many vlogs and it's sad when there's some vlogs out there that I feel like they didn't get the love that they deserve a little yeah. bit there's the youtube algorithm or whatever but dan here little interjection i kind of went off on a tangent but i'll just whip through this really quick i basically wanted to outline some of the vlogs that i really enjoyed um i think elena osborne's 2019 hike was excellent i mean obviously she has it you know done into chapters there's 12 videos the total of that is about two hours and 30 minutes the average episode is about 12 minutes long but elena osborne's hike and vlog was pretty awesome i think number two is 2021 kind of nomadic i don't think he got the love that he deserved um really excellent has a craig adams type of feel craig adams is sort of a worldwide hiker craig with a k uh his are very cinematic instrumental and this gentleman for kind of nomadic his hike is sort of like that it's the visuals are excellent the work he put in is excellent he the sound is incredible because he used a wireless mic and picked up a lot of sound so it's just a great put it on i've reached out to him on instagram and say hey can you take them all together and push them together it would just make such a really really cool movie um but he his didn't get the love it deserved I think number third on mine is the whole shoots. That's their 2015 hike, which they started dropping and they were editing in 2020 and dropping it. So they were going back through all their old footage um, and then they were doing voiceovers. And it's just such a great, great summary. It's an excellent, each video averages about seven minutes each, but they push it together to make a 2.5 hour, you know, sort of movie. Um, another one that didn't get a lot of uh, love is Trail Dorks 2019 PCT Nobo through hike. All these links are in the show notes, but that one was really cinematic. Um, I laughed at. I wasn't a big fan. He does these like kooky little dances. I just I, I laughed every time he danced or whatever. But his are excellent, um, and his sound is incredible. But anyways, uh, back to the episode. But I just sort of wanted to go off in, in sort of the vlogs that I really loved and I think that you should take a peek at. Okay, back to the interview. 
alternative ways of doing it doesn't get a lot of love. And that's why most people don't do it. I think that there's like a formula that's the formula for success. If you're trying to get, you know, met the maximum views and attention. And, and I kind of knew, I knew that, but I still didn't want to do it that way. Cause it's just, I just didn't want to do it that way. So I felt like it was a waste of my time to just be kind of repeating what other people are doing or what worked for them. So I, I know it sucks because that's all of YouTube and social media. It's like, if it's not mainstream, um, it just dies on the vine. Uh, yeah. You know what? You know, another thing too is like, you know, everyone, you know, that crazy, stupid, you know, hike your own hike thing, but I don't knock anybody's videos too, because people could just be, some people just make videos because they want their mom and dad to see that they're safe, you know? And yeah. You know, they don't, they're only making it for, they only think like their 14 close friends are going to watch. And then some of them, sometimes it takes off and, and some people bail on it because it's too hard and, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's interesting. Like, um, I took my kids to Europe and, and we kind of vlogged it. I just made it with my phone, but yeah, my biggest fans were my dad and my kids and me. Like we, we still kind of watch it because it just brings us back. And that's what's oh, really yeah. cool about yours. Even if you just your friends and family watch yours or, or you'll be able to watch it. Yeah. I, well, I'm going through all these, all the clips um, for making this documentary and I am, it takes me back more than I can imagine. And we were pretty spoiled now in the way just, just phone. Like I just used my iPhone and this DJI um, pocket Two gimbal camera. Okay. So everything I recorded for the vlog and for this documentary was that, but just that, like the sound quality and the video quality is just insane. I, I, I feel like you it, use? What's that? What kind of iPhone did you use? It's a 12 Pro Max. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty good one. It has a pretty big sensor and stuff. But I'm just blown away with just the stuff I just captured like in passing. And I'll hear people talking in the background like, oh, my God, I remember. I vaguely remember that conversation that was at the table next to us or whatever. And I can hear it coming through. It's like, oh, my God. It puts me, like, right back in there. Like, just unbelievable. And makes me think this technology we carry in our pockets is really, really powerful. We take it for granted, but it's just insane. that Like, the memories and moments that you can record in such incredible detail. Yeah, and I always say, because sometimes people don't want to make vlogs. But if they just record the footage and just kind of soak up the sights and sounds, even if they're quiet. If they take that footage home, even if they don't want to, you know, it could be two years later, but once they start to go back, they'll, they'll, they'll be up till four in the morning because they'll just be so in love with it of putting together something and they, you know, find music that they want to put on it. Or even if they don't publish it, you can make some really, really cool stuff. And then if you do voiceovers, you can keep doing it. You know, if you screw up and you screw up, you just keep talking till you get the sentence right, really. And it yeah. gives you a chance to kind of maybe write out your little storyboard or, or what little what little things you want to say, and then you're just trying to find the footage to back it up. Yep, that's kind of what I've been doing with re doing the voiceovers. It's like the footage from the trail is so valuable. If I lose anything, it's lost forever. But voiceover stuff is like oh, I could just throw it away. I could just record it again in two seconds, you know. But it's funny because as I've been home and the trail, my experience from the trail or what the trail has meant to me has changed has been changing. And I've been changing so much since I've been home. I I came home flying high, and then I'm just depressed as heck now, which I understand is happening to a lot of people. And uh, and so I keep doing these voiceovers, and then a, a week later, I'm like, nah, it doesn't really fit anymore. Like, 
because I've just already changed or my, or my thoughts on the trail have already changed since I did the voiceover and I have to change it. And so I keep changing it because it's like, nah, that's not, that doesn't summarize it right. Now I, I feel differently and I keep doing it again. Were you happy uh, with the number of episodes you put out and the length of the episodes? Like, was it a, a good balance of trying to get it done while you were hiking it? Yeah, I think so. Although I, yeah, I went back and looked at one episode and I was like, ah, I would already do it different. Like, I think it would make it tighter, a little, a little shorter, a little tighter. The transition's a little tighter. Like, I think some stuff kind of lingers too long. That was just my thought looking back. But I also know with like videography, photography, you, you change a lot as like an artist or what you think is right keeps evolving it never stops evolving it does so and you get better and you get you, you know you find little efficiencies of your editing and how you keep your clips and you know yeah like casey neistat type of thing you know if uh, on the 150th vlog he's sort of like oh i need a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this to make the day yeah so uh, that was interesting i thought maybe you use something for like sound and stuff but really the sound was from either the iphone or the dji yeah, just the speakers on the on the devices. I had in 2021, I carried a well, I still carried the same camera this year too, but as a Sony A6500, but I only used it for still photos this year, but I did in years past use that with a mic like a, an external mic on that. Mm -hmm. And that got some really cool stuff. But I never really did much with a whole lot with that. I guess I did make some kind of video with it, but I never really used it a whole lot because it's just not, yeah, I guess it's not user-friendly in the field to be vlogging with it because the files are massive and yeah, it's just not, it'd be just such a pain to do it live kind of or semi-live on the route. I know this this video project has sucked up all my time lately and my- It's a fun running... project though. What's that? It's a fun project though. Oh, it's super fun. I, I go through times where I don't want to mess with it. It's weird. It's therapy. Yeah, it's therapy that that's what I at first I wasn't going to do it and then I then I started going through all the clips I'm like oh this is going to be really therapeutic for me but then putting it together turns out it kind of wasn't I don't know it's hard it depends on how much of a perfectionist you are yeah and I get sometimes I get I get just teary-eyed watching a lot of that stuff and I'm like oh man it kind of hurts <laughs> oh you know so I don't know I don't know if it's helpful but man it sure makes me relive it for whatever that's worth Sometimes I want to forget that whole trail a little bit, <laughs> ruin my life. Um, but yeah, some... they say that they do say that. Yeah, well, it's not, it hasn't been great for my like relationship with with my wife. It hasn't been great with my dogs. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things I had to throw away to go out there, and then and then in the end, all it did all it did is break my heart. And then I want to go back again. Uh, and it just keeps sucking you back in. So yeah, it, it ruins, it, it ruined my life. And I don't even, I don't, and I, you could say that like jokingly, but I don't even know if I'm joking because it's like an addiction. Um, yeah. Like look at the little kids. Like imagine like you have a little kid that lives in New York when maybe they're 30, then maybe they've been working in an office building since they're 20 and then they go hike it when they're 30. They probably never want to go back to nine to five working for the man in the glass building. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what happens to people i think so, i mean a lot of people go back to work and that's great but i still haven't really well partially because i can't i kind of threw away i threw away my like real career to get to be able to do that and so i haven't been able really to go back but 
I don't also don't want to go. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back at least the way it was before. I don't want to be just w- working because I don't know how it is in Canada. It's probably similar, but we, we work ourselves to death and it's like this supposed to wear it like a badge of honor. That's sad, man. The price of groceries, the price of houses, it's I feel bad for the little kids. I feel bad for everyone. Yeah. It's the cost of life is nuts now. I know. So it's no surprise that more and more people are just saying, screw it. I'm dropping out of it because I can't, if you can't really win at it or you're going to have to sell your soul to do it. It's awesome that there's an alternative now. There is an alternative way to live. that's not, you know, it's a little more respectable than it used to be. And a lot of people, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people kind of want to live. There's more people that want to live off grid, uh, live in a van, you know, like van life, whatever. Like it's, they just, you just need a little bit of money to, be happy you don't need a lot of stuff to be happy too yeah well here's how the trail ruined me it's like i've been happiest i've been like arguably in my whole life and i had nothing and so it shatters everything i ever was told because i had just what was on my back you know most of the time there were those trail towns where you'd get get some amenities but pretty much just living with what's in your back and then i'm way happier doing that than i am surrounded by all the material comforts right so what does that tell you like basically been chasing the wrong thing and you live in oregon too it's not like you live in some concrete city no no but even in oregon i mean we just play the same game you're just surrounding yourselves with like cars and comforts hot tubs and you know just a bunch of extra stuff that you don't need and i was constantly entertaining myself with buying new you know new things amazon box coming at the house every day it was like entertainment or a distraction i guess and now it's like I ne- I never I don't have Amazon never comes to my house I don't want anything, you know I'm just shunning it all I'm just like I I know it's not going to help me I know it won't make any difference in fact probably make me even more frustrated so I'm just like all about this simplicity and it's like the more the more simple I live the more I feel like I'm still on the trail or so connected to the trail because it's you know, I'm not, I'm not running from it I'm trying to stay 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 that person I was you know mm-hmm. I don't want to go back. Beautiful night last night, mile 79 or something. Stars were out, the wind died down, it was perfect. This morning is pretty much perfect too. Uh, hoping for, there's one water cache today, and then I'm hoping to hit the 100 mile marker, which is kind of exciting. Only 26 more of those to go. And then uh, tonight I'm staying at uh, the Mountain Valley Retreat or Resort, I forget. We, but I stayed there last year, it's a really cool place. I just passed mile 100. It's always a good day when you can cross a uh, century marker. And only uh, only 26 more of those to go. And I'll be done. Doesn't sound intimidating or anything. Okay, what was the deal with 2021? So was that just sort of a goal of like, hey, I got some time and I want to do the desert section? No, so I mean, in 2021, my goal was I was going to try to section hike the whole trail over like three years or something, three or four years. So I was, I was going to, yeah, just do it in whatever sections I could do. Cause I was, I was trying to keep my, my job. So I was doing it in any way I could do it and still have a, a real job. So I was, and so I did the desert all in one seven, the first 700 miles all in one run, because that's far, like pretty far away from my house and not easy to get down there. Yeah. So like, if I was going to go, I was going to do that all at once. And then I would, Further north, I was doing smaller, like three-day weekend and four-day weekend kind of chunks. So that was my goal. I wasn't going to through hike it. 
2021, I thought I would probably never through hike it. <laughs> did you, how long did it take you to do that 2021? Well, so that year I did between, I guess between 2019 and 21, I did like half the trail. I did like 1,325 miles or something. Wow. Just like randomly, you know, not in any like order or whatever. And I was going to continue that this year until I, yeah, I guess what happened at work is the guy that was going to cover me while I was out, Mm -hmm. he was in the army reserve and he got deployed. So once I found out he was going to be gone and he was my coverage, I knew they weren't going to let me leave. That's when I quit, quit the job altogether. And then I decided that if I'm going to quit the job, then I'm going to through hike because I can now. So yeah, just get it done. Yeah. So I went, did repeated everything that I'd already done. And then, you know, the whole rest, everything, the whole trail. Here's a question I can pose to myself that maybe I'll be better able to answer when this hike is over, but why do this? I'm no, no one has asked me that directly. I don't think, well, okay. I'll just, I'll, I ask myself that. So I'll try to answer it. Why do this? Why hike 2,650 miles in one run? And be away from everyone you know and just kind of out in the, the wilds for that amount of time. Like, why do you? Why would someone need to do that? I think. I mean, it's, it's some of it's like a touchy subject, I guess. But I've been depressed as heck for depressing anxious for like the last five years. I mean, I've had it all my whole life, but I've had it really bad the last five years. And, and I always, always feel better. Maybe not the first day I come out here, but within a day or two, I always feel better and then I just feel better and better and better. It's like I walk it out, out of myself. Um, so that's that's a big reason. It's like, I think a lot of people that are out here, they're, they're, running, they're searching for something or they're running away from something. That's just my observation. I think for me it's both, but I'm shifting more now, I think, towards the um, searching for something. And I feel like I'm finally over just running away from, I don't know, what, my own, you know, I guess fear of inability to live in the moment and just be alive and just be happy. It's like I spent so much of my life just climbing up, you know, making a life for myself, but then for some reason to just say, all right, you've made the life. Now enjoy that life is really disturbing. It was super disturbing to me. I, I think that anybody, anybody who does a through hike or attempts a through hike, there's, some, there's something, something, something wrong with us, right? It's not, normal people don't really do that. Um, maybe they do, but it seems like everybody's either, you know, running from trauma or running from something or they're, they're seeking something. They're lost and they're, and they're looking for something. And they're looking for meaning and they're looking for a new direction. And, you know, I think for me, yeah, I was, I was just running from stuff. Like, I think that boredom, it's, it's hard to describe. Um, would you say that? Would you say like younger, like younger people, it's more of like just wondering of how the, how their life's going to go. And then older people that do it, you're either reflecting or yeah i could see how that would be things i could see how that would be i could see how that would be true because i know 
seems like yeah most people most people out there are in their 20s and i i think man some of those people are really mature for their age for sure some of them are just out there to like maybe just a party some mm-hmm. are out there to um yeah to kind of like find direction and sort of define how they want to live their life um yeah do it they have they kids, haven't had their they haven't had their dreams smashed yet what's that they haven't had their dreams smashed yet no you know they still believe it's like you get a little older and your reasons for being out there are different it's like uh, you know it's like you you've sort of like been you've been through the ringer you've you've used to believe and now you've kind of gotten crushed in some ways and life just beats you up and you're getting sick of doing it you know that's how that's where i was at and i'm like i got how long you're gonna live you know like sometimes you know do you wait till retirement to do it or do you do it while you can still walk up the stairs yeah i didn't want to wait i couldn't wait i couldn't keep doing that job and just i don't i mean i know that maybe that's just anxiety because you you know a lot of people do it in retirement too but i i didn't trust that i'd be able to or you just don't know i mean i work i worked in the medical field and I saw everything bad that can happen to anyone, I think 50 times, you know, yeah, over and over and over and over. And I, and so I, it's just like every day, it's a constant reminder of what can happen to you and to everybody, any age and any just, ah, it was awful. And, and even when I was thinking I was have a day where no one's going to bring it up, somebody would bring up, oh, don't get old. It's hell getting old and tell them, tell me all their ailments. I'm like, you know what? This is, I can't stand this anymore, man. I'm not going to just rot away in here. I'm going. <laughs> that's kind of, I guess that's kind of how I would describe it. 26 miles yesterday uh, with a lot of elevation change and quite a bit of heat as well. And it was tough. I've done you know more than 26 before, but that was about as hard as any hike in a single day I've ever done. So beat. And uh, today I'm waking up and I'm starting out pretty strong, but I could tell like I'm depleted pretty big time. And then I started started thinking, well, of course I'm depleted. Basically ran a marathon yesterday. How many marathon runners run a marathon, get up and run another one? Like it's starting at six in the morning the next day, zero. Cause it's stupid. Cause your body can't handle it. But yet as a long distance hiker, that's exactly what we do over and over and over again. So it's kind of an unconventional form of exercise. There's very few breaks, but you're basically running marathons every day, the equivalent of. Yeah, I'm not, we're not running, but carrying 25, 20, 25 pounds on our backs and doing a lot of elevation on pretty loose, rocky terrain at high elevation. Do you remember when you heard about the PCT? Like, when did it really, when did it really like when did when did you really want to go hiking in some capacity even if it's like a little section like you know something longer than a weekend I think it was well we have the PCT you know I live really close to it and that's kind of how I discovered it and I I used to be blown away by the people that when they would tell me how far they were walking I thought oh I'd never I could never do that I don't want to do that uh, but I was like eventually it started hitting me like maybe I could just do Oregon though that'd be cool I mean, that's still a long ways and I that would be kind of fun to just like hit the trail and be able to walk that distance say you walk that distance that would be really pretty exciting and told my wife about it and she's like yeah I'll do it with you and so we started 
you know, started doing it. And I think we did it enough to where I got, I got the bug and I started to see what it could be. If you, mm-hmm. if you, if you really went all in with that lifestyle, cause we got to kind of be a part of the trail culture and we got to host hikers at our house that we met on the trail and just, yeah, seeing the culture, the lifestyle, I'm like, man, it's, it sounds pretty awesome. And but I'm like, ah, I can't, I can't really through hike cause I got a job. And so I was thinking I'd never be able to do it, but it, the more you, a person immerses themselves, I think the tendency is to the more addicting it, it becomes or attractive it becomes to be living in, in that lifestyle. I mean, it's not for everybody, but no, man, it, but I'll say this, a through hike is the ultimate way to experience it. As far as immersing yourself in that culture, there's, there's no substitute for like a through hike out. That's one benefit of just doing it all at once. And yeah. a lot of that's just because of the relationships and the, and the person that you become spending that much time out there. And to be unplugged for such a long, yeah, you, you really, you know, whatever your trail name is, you really become that person. Like I really became magnet. It was a pretty different person than my real name. Um, cause you, you just so in this other world for so long. And then the relationships and the friends that you make and you start to bond so tightly, you just feel like, man, you're just living like in some different, different era in time when before technology and when people roam the earth, you know, it's crazy. And a lot of people talk about how, yeah, all the people that you meet on trail, you might say really quick, you know, oh, what do you, you know, what do you do or what did you do? You know, people would say like whatever profession they're in. But after that nine seconds is finished, nobody gives a rat's ass if somebody's a doctor or a lawyer or a student or whatever or unemployed or whatever. Like everyone's kind of the same. You're just out there kind of getting along, surviving, just going day by day. Yeah, definitely. Because now that I, I stay close with my trail family, and it's kind of interesting that we were so tied out there, all different ages, genders, both genders, you know, like did, nothing really mattered. No one no yeah. one cared about anything like they, like they do in regular society. You know, people size you up and judge you and all that. There's none of that. Well, I didn't realize, you know, half the people in my trail family, like, or a lot of them, um, don't don't have homes, or maybe they did, but they left them when they started the trail, and they just haven't gone back to it. And so and you, stuff that I didn't really know and didn't really think about. A lot of those people were just like living from couch to couch, or in their vans or cars or whatever. Um, and then the other thing I noticed too, being off trail is like we still all really like like each other a lot, but we don't. It's harder to have conversations now. Because the re- the real real world world starts to interfere with it. It's like we we were so tight on the trail because we didn't have anyone else to be tight with, and we needed each other for support and yep. encouragement and safety. But w- when you remove all the all that, now it's like I kind of don't have a lot to talk about with some of these people. It's sad because we were so tight. And some people have real um, world problems and other stuff that's pulling them pulling them in different directions too. Definitely, and some people deal with you know depression and grief different like they don't want to talk about it so they just disappear a little bit and but when we talk it's like yeah we used to always have something to talk about the trail or trail mm-hmm. life or something would always you know bonding us and now it's without that it's like ah, sometimes i don't know quite what to say <laughs> to you guys so it's like so it's sort of sad but like the, the trail 
families like has its time and then it's sort of sort of breaks up and it's sad because you at the time it, did, it didn't feel like it was going to break up we felt so tight that it was like oh this is for life it's for life and it is a little bit but yeah it certainly isn't like you know certainly not like it was like it'd be to... nice it'd be nice if you know you guys could get together for like a little retreat or a little hike somewhere and you know sometimes it's hard to line up schedules but if you could make that happen that would be a sweet thing yeah next year uh we're going to scotland so um i think a lot of the people from our trail family or few will go for sure we're gonna hike the the west highland way in scotland which is not a real long route but it's better than sitting in a hotel It's it's a fun way to see like the country and stuff oh so many great places in the world absolutely so I think we are, like, I know, you know, two or three of them might go on that. So that's cool. Just about to complete the San Jacinto mountain stretch of the Southern California PCT. Uh, miles about 152 to 202 or three or something. And I'll tell you what, it was really beautiful, really snowy, but somehow still crazy warm. I don't know how that, how that works, but... It was uh, a lot, of, a lot of hard work. I got to work on my ice axe skills and high angle snow traverses and stuff like that. So it gives me a ton of confidence that I can handle the Sierras. Although there'll be a lot more of that. At least I can, if I can do it. If I know I can do it and stay safe, then I feel good about it. It's just going to be many more miles of that. <laughs> but it was stunningly beautiful. But I'm so ready for some rest and some food. You talked about like Trail Angel, like, and uh, do you live kind of close to the PCT or? Yeah, so I live in Bend, Oregon, and that's okay. a, it's, oh, it's 20 miles, 25 miles away. So it's not really close, but Bend is like a big time trail town though, because it is such a, well, for Oregon, it's like the, the biggest city that's close to the trail in the state, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and we have an REI and we have like really good grocery stores and every, every there's some certain things that are kind of like infamous on the PCT now. One is there's a, there's a river float that everybody does on the, so that you can, on the Deschutes River, you can rent like inner tubes and then the shuttle takes you to the top of the river or whatever. And then you float down. And so it's just kind of like a drunk fest thing. Do they have and, a floating rave type of thing too? Not really a rave, but it gets it gets gets kind of rowdy a little bit. But it's mostly just a bunch of drunk people floating down the river for a couple hours, and then you take out, and then they you return your raft and you get to go home. But I think a lot of the hikers really like that. And uh, we have the we have REI, which is we don't have. There's not many REIs on the trail, so that's like a big draw too. Mm. And uh, we have more breweries per capita. We used to than anywhere, and I don't know the world. Maybe I know that changes like daily, but we have a lot of breweries so that's kind of we're kind of known for that we have like i don't know like 17 breweries or something so people come people come for that and so yeah we're in a trail town so we always get a chance to host like as many people as we ever wanted to i guess it's fair to say like if you do host people at your house eventually it's gonna want to draw you out to do it you know like sometimes in a you hear like trail angels that they do it they do trail angeling for a while and it's like Jesus, I want to do this. Like, I want to, I want to get a taste for what they hear about. Yeah, I could see that. I know the people we met on trail when we first started doing sections, 
and hosting them and stuff. Yeah, you you, you it makes you want to live that life. And I, it's like I didn't want to go back to work. I want to go be free like these people. <laughs> did you ever hang out? Did you ever like you know grab a cooler or whatever some snacks and go hang out and wait for people to kind of walk up to you? Or is it no, just- I still have never done that because every summer I'm out hiking on it. That's my, been my problem. Yeah. So I haven't done like the day on trail. You know, they got a a pack full of goodies, really. and You're just walking towards people. Yeah, that would be cool. But I have to wait till a year. I'm not out there hiking it myself. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't. I haven't stopped yet. So. Oh, it's crazy. What did you think? Okay, so obviously, you know, you've done a little bit of the trail angel and, you know, you hiked on the PCT and you've done lots of section hikes and you probably stumbled across people doing trail magic. What do you think generally overall? Do you think do you think hikers truly appreciate the efforts of the trail angel? Do you think they kind of feel I don't know where I'm going with this, but I think you know what I mean. Like I don't know. Like do you think people truly appreciate it? I think it depends on the person. I I I did, I did like to 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 tear sometimes when I would see them and their generosity like I would get teary-eyed almost every almost every time mm-hmm. but i know i did i think there's a little bit i don't i know where i don't know where you're going with the question but i know where i would go where i was going when you said it there is a little bit of entitlement that people get i've had that when and the people we posted at our house sometimes mm-hmm. like they you know because by the time we see them in oregon they've been on like two thousand miles so they've had a lot of trail magic stayed at a lot of places for mm-hmm. free and stuff and they maybe and get a little social bit social media too right so there's facebook groups so some people like you know they're going on the facebook groups and you know they need a ride and and all that kind of stuff or looking for a place to stay so you have that aspect too when we never had that you know a long time ago we didn't have the facebook groups yeah i think yeah i think that there's some some people got a little entitled i would say a few people did where they'd be like yeah almost expectant I, I yeah if you get enough you get enough stuff given to you for the for certain people's personality they can start to become like expectant of it you know or entitled to it but i i never got that way sometimes you sometimes you know you hear like europeans because they don't there isn't a lot of trail magic i guess in europe on some of the trails so they're kind of really blown away like the europeans yeah i could definitely see that <laughs> um, they just they find it amazing you know that there's it, it sort of exists i guess yeah i mean i think i'm still amazed by it i don't yeah i don't know how they feel but i just can't believe it i can't believe that people spend their free time and doing that and sometimes they're not even hikers themselves never even were hikers themselves like not you know it just blows me away how generous people are and that's definitely another part of the trail that's addicting is that is yeah. the, the you know, human side of it I, like I got, I got separated in 2012 and I joined couch surfing I heard about couch surfing and so couch surfing kind of blew me away too because there was people sometimes like as an example of this silly story but you know I wanted to go to New York City so I would go into the couch surfing forums for New York City because people would just talk about like oh you know here's you know, cheap places to go, things to do, blah, 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 blah. And in and, and surfing, people would then post, hey, I'm coming to New York City. 
you know, who can I stay with? But everybody wanted to stay downtown New York City. But then you have these people on the outskirts that are begging because they just love to entertain. They love to help. They love to meet new people. And and I I thought it was couch surfing was great. I had a guy from England come stay with me. And it's kind of cool because afterwards, if I ever go to England, I could go stay with him. It's like it's kind of cool to have friends around the world. So it's that's kind of a neat thing, too, with trail angeling, because you just, you know, you meet people from around the world. Some people you become better friends with, like you never know. You might you might go, you know, you might go hike in Scotland and you might stay at a Scottish person's house that stayed with you type of thing, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it is really cool. I I figure the more years that I trail angel, the more years I hike, eventually I'll have a heck of a network. You know, if I stay in touch with people all yeah. over the world, and it's pretty cool, man. I, I mean, it's a community that I would can't think of any other community I'd rather invest my time in, and, and they're just like some of the best people. They are oh, the best yeah. people. If you ask me, I mean, oh, sure. I don't know. I'm biased, but that I think that my time's been well spent investing in them. You know. Why now? Why do I feel I need to hike this trail at this point in my life? A lot of people at this point would wait till retirement. And there is a lot of people out here that have just retired and, you know, it's been their lifelong dream to hike the trail, but they waited. They waited. Um, and I, I refuse to wait. And part of it, it's kind of a two-part thing, but one reason is that I work in a profession where I deal with everybody with every type of ailment, uh, missing limbs, just type 2 diabetes, obesity, arthritis, on and on and on. And, and you know, a lot of them aren't even that much older than me now. And it, and it sort of freaks me out. And I see these people. I know it's like a, it's a biased sample of people, but it's like, still, I'm around it all day. And I hear, I just, I live it every day. And it, and it freaks me out in a way. It's like, I feel like I can't, I can't afford to wait because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know. You don't know if you're going to be able to in your 60s. I might, but I might not. And I, I so I refuse to take that risk. That's one part of the answer. Um, for brevity, I will continue this conversation on the next episode. A lot of time to think. There is so much time during every day out here and every night uh, to just be in your own head. Uh, it's unlike anything else in regular life. We have so much distraction. You know, we keep ourselves distracted in, in regular life, whether, whether on purpose or not. So much distraction with our devices and things going on. And there's constantly ways that you can avoid being in your own head. But when you're out here, I mean, that's part of, part of the experience, of course, but you dwell in your own mind for so many hours, for so many days. And I know the experience is very different for everybody. But for me, uh, I basically, I've re replayed, you know, my entire life, just in the miles I've done this year and in other years. I've relived, you know, every memory, so much stuff I, like, forgot about, people I forgot about things I forgot about, birthdays I forgot about, schools I forgot about, and uh, it all comes back, and you also replay everything you've ever done, everything you've ever said to anyone, 
uh, done to anyone. Everyone you've had a relationship with, friendship with, all your family members that are alive, dead. Uh, and for me, it's been nothing but positive, which is maybe also part of my draw, why I like it out here. I, I, it grounds me. I look at my life and I realize that I, I did it well. How hard for you was the mental, like, obviously, you know, for me, I'm an older guy. I'm 51 now. My daughter's 21. So I always kind of say, you know, physically, she's like a little muscle. So she should be good on the physical part. Maybe for her, the mental part will be tougher because she's so connected to her phone. I mean, I'm connected to my phone as well, but she just has so many friends at home that she chit chats with. So I think the mental game will be harder for her. For me, physically, yeah. it's going to be harder. I think that I should... The mental part will be hard for me, but I think it, the physical will be harder. But how hard was the mental part for you? Like, during during the hours, you know, I think in one of your episodes, you just talked about how it's hard because, you know, you didn't want to glamorize the trail too much. I mean, it's it's easy to do because it is majestic, but there's a lot of days of suck and you mentioned something like, you know, during the 11 hours of hiking. Um, but you you know, you also mentioned that overall it's positive, which is great, but how hard was the mental part? Man, uh, pretty hard. A, a lot of the way that was like my biggest challenge. You know, I got lucky though. I didn't have any really, I didn't have any injuries. I didn't have like other, other things other than the mental side of it to, that was really a problem. Like, I guess, yeah, physically I was just hanging, I was hanging in there. So I, that's cool. So I guess I had the luxury of focusing on the mental side of it, but it, it was a struggle. I mean, it is, you never see that in the documentaries and probably not even in my vlogs or anything. It's just, it's hard to film the slog of just the days where there's no views and the days that just suck and, all all the hours it takes to get between hours and days it get takes to get between the highlights that you see on on everybody's documentary and stuff. Sometimes that part nobody records the stuff that doesn't look that pretty. No, because no one like wants to watch it. Well, or well, whatever. Yeah, no one wants to watch it. It's it's like watching grass grow, right? But but living it's like watching grass grow too. That's the problem, and it, and there's so that's ninety percent of the hike though, is just. Oh, another hill. Oh my God. I'm so tired of these hills. Like, uh, you know, that's just the, such the reality of it. And I think just to keep going day after day, after day, after day, the trail, the trail is longer than, than you think. I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, it's just to think that anyone hasn't through hiked it. You can't, you can't wrap your mind around how many days on end you're, you're walking and walking. Um, and I, and I think for me, after, around you know a lot of people quit around like the halfway mark around northern mm -hmm. california and that was the hardest part for me and i and i could see why a lot of people quit there because you you feel by the time you hit the halfway marker you feel like you've done a through hike you feel like you know you've thought about all the things you can think to think about twice actually you, you've basically replayed your entire life in in your head once or even twice over um you you've done all like kind of the mental things the physical things that you that you needed to do you've met all the people you're mostly going to meet on the trail and you so you feel like you've kind of done it through like i missed home really bad by the halfway mark i was just dying 
miss my dogs. Well, yeah, because yeah, you're close to home too. Yeah, it helped. It helped me to be walking towards home. Like mentally, that was helpful because that just was like the right direction to be going because I was getting closer. But that, and so you 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 feel like you've done it through, right? And you pretty much have. I come to find by the end, I mean, you really done eighty percent of like the mental stuff is done by by the halfway mark. But then then you got to still hike another two and a half months um beyond that and it's just it, that's when it just like can be pretty pretty crushing like just how long of, a, of an adventure this is i mean really the, the pct doesn't need to be that long you, you if it was two-thirds the length i think everyone would have pretty much the same experience and the same outcomes and you know the same like change in their values and change in their priorities and stuff would happen if it was shorter so it, it is a, probably longer than it needs to be and and you definitely feel that like like wow it's just still going this is unfreaking believable um so i i hung in there but a lot of i mean most people don't obviously by the numbers and i think what what made me stick it out was that i said i was going to do it and how much i had to give up to get there that's what made me stick it out cuz yeah quitting my job and walking away from all the stability was like really hard to do and I wasn't going to do that and then still be a section hiker. Like I, I did that so I could through hike. So there was pretty much no way that I wasn't going to through hike that thing. I was pretty much just resigned to, you get all these doubts in your head as you're going like, is this really what I should be doing with my time? Or do I really need to be doing this with my time anymore? But I just kept telling myself, I want to worry about those thoughts when I'm done. I'm just going to finish it. And then later I can analyze and figure out if it was worth it or not, but I'm just going to finish it. And that's what, that was sort of, everybody has to have their why in their head because they're going to doubt themselves. They're going to question themselves on the route. So you have to have, when when your brain asks you, why are we doing this? You better have a good comeback. You better have a solid, like, this is why. And it better be profound because I think if it isn't, you're hi- highly likely to quit. Just my theory. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, and 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 you sort of did the desert in 2021, and then early on in 2022, when you were in the desert, you just talked about how, you know, if if you had any little bad mouthing of 2021's desert, you take it all back. But again, yeah. then hiking something like it's if the next year you're doing the desert section again, so. I mean, that in one ways could be a little difficult in a way. Like if you just look at just, if we just talk about the desert section, is there a certain section of that, that was hard mentally, whether it's the terrain, the heat, like I always think in my head, I'm like a little desert expert because most of the time I've watched people's YouTubes through the desert when they get into the Sierras my summer's going on and I don't, I, I fall off the YouTube bandwagon a bit, but I always think like after Aguadulce, if I said that right, yeah, I, I, Kennedy yeah. Meadows, people are just pissed off. They just want to be in, they want the Sierras to start like, well, yeah, what was well, the desert like mentally for you. Was there a certain little section that was just tough? You know, this year in 2022, not really because I, had a great trail family and the weather was perfect and because i was doing a full through hike this year i had the sierras look forward to and i was kind of just loving life man honestly i didn't i i didn't have any trouble that was one of my favorite sections 
Okay. And a lot yeah. of people say great stuff about the desert section where they just didn't, they thought it would suck a little more and they were like, you know, it, it worked well, out really well. I think it can suck. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not at all saying that across the board it's great because it, it can be horrible because I did it in 21 and it was later in the year and it was a drier year, like a drought year. You know, well, they're all drought years now, but it was really a drought year, like record breaking. Mm. And uh, it, it sucked, man, to be honest with you. And I, because I was section hiking it, I didn't really have a trail family. Like I was flying through it trying to get back to work. So I was just yeah. in front of everybody and I never stayed with the same people. So I was really just kind of alone and in the heat and there was no, no greenery, no flowers or anything. And, and, and it was windy the in, in 21, windy the entire time. So you get this vision that you're going to like be able to camp up on these nice viewpoints with the, you know, the valley below. And we couldn't do any of that because the wind would just tear your tent in half. So every, every night you're just trying to hide down in some like wash or gully just to get out of the wind. But of course you have no views. And so it was like, it was just get through it, man. I, and in 21 for me. And so I could see how it would be that way. It's like it, it can be awful and and people can just get like, just, I just wanted this to be over. Like, but, but at 22, man, I'm telling you starting early is, is key for enjoying a lot of those sections, but the deserts one, like it was, it was awesome. I really liked it. Leaving Walker pass campground this morning, starting the last 50 mile section of the, the PCT desert, 50 miles till we start the Sierras. I think all of us are excited to finish the desert, although it has been awesome. Certainly not sucked, uh, but intimidated to start the Sierras. Logistics are complicated. We don't really know what the conditions are like as far as snow. Some people say it's not bad, but there's been a storm since then. So more recent reports are saying it, it, it's really bad. So we just don't know. When we get to Kennedy Meadows, we're going to ask a lot of questions and people there tend to know what's going on. It's their local area. And we'll make plans and just kind of take it one section at a time. Miss Oregon today. Miss my dogs and miss my wife, miss my friends. Miss all my backcountry places. My camps, man, it's tough. I don't know why. You know, if I, if I had to guess, because we're coming up on the end of the desert. Tomorrow morning, we'll officially start the the real Sierras and be done with the desert. I don't know. It's just like making me a little emotional, I guess. But I'm thankful, so thankful for my trail family. Big day today. We're finishing the desert this morning. 702 miles, 43 days on trail for me. And we're all very, very excited. The desert did not suck. It's not It's not that, it's just, I don't know, it's just a huge, huge milestone. So after this, the terrain's gonna change dramatically. We're gonna be straight alpine in snow a lot of the way frozen water frozen lakes hopefully not frozen people but we're, we're all ready we think we are but anyway 
today and tonight, celebratory. Celebratory for us. This is a, a big, big, big day. What was the Sierras like for you mentally? Was there, did it, did it beat you down or was that get beaten down more up the trail? Like what was the Sierras like? Yeah, Sierra, Sierras was a trip because every, every day you do a pass and so you're, you're kind of celebrating. But we had something to celebrate every single day. Um, so, so every day was really exciting, but it was also just, it was the hard, I remember thinking at the time, it was like the hardest thing physically for sure, maybe mentally I've ever done in my life. Um, just the, the amount, the amount of weight we had on our backs, the amount of snow, the amount of like, like fear about each pass coming up, like, Oh dude, how sketchy is it going to be? Is it going to be just like over the top? Like, are we even going to be able to do it? And um, what was the snow like for you in this year for the Sierra? You know, I know it certainly wasn't like some years as no. bad as some years, but uh, it wasn't like but, 2019. No, not at all. But it was enough to where it was pretty constant, mostly constant through the whole Sierras and all the way. It was a weird snow year in that the snow was like concentrated further north. Or I think like Lake Tahoe was like the epicenter of the snowpack. Yeah. Isn't it, wasn't it this so, past year where before people started hiking, the snow was crazy? Remember yeah, and then, all the anxiety, they were looking at graphs of like, holy shit, look at the graph this year compared to the average. But yeah, it, it came it, down. Yeah. And then, and then it was like, it was, there was a, like snowiest December on record. And then it was like the driest January, February on a record or something. So it yeah. like, it all dumped early, but it all, it all concentrated further north. So. So the further we went, you, you know, normally you'd be starting to get out of the snow. We just never did. And well, not never. We didn't get out of the snow until way into Northern Cal, like mile, shoot, oh, probably like 1250 or 1300 or something. We finally got off, mostly got off the snow. <laughs> so it was like four, 500 miles of snow, 550, something like that. So it, it was relentless. It was like, like traumatizing a little bit i remember we were talking and we were like man i'm like having nightmares about snow like i'm just so sick of the snow like honestly i'm like i'm fearing it every time i turn a corner i'm like please no snow please no snow and so it got it got 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 to us i think you know like a little bit ptsd or something would you say that norcal was probably the most mentally draining because you were just like i mean obviously it feels like you got like you had some cold like cold nights in norcal there's a little bit of rain uh and then just the whole well you're probably excited because you're walking home but no i think oregon was not mentally draining for you mentally when you know the with the family packed up and left and you you see them drive off but yeah you saw that vlog huh that was my biggest downer vlog and biggest downer period of the hike for me um, that was NorCal, but yeah, I, you know, that you heard that saying the NorCal blues. Mm. Yeah, I had, I had that bad too, man. Um, yeah, Cause you just want to get, get the hell out of California. You want to wear a different t-shirt. Yeah, there's that, but you're NorCal is still 600 miles in itself. So you're, you're still got that, even that chunk's huge. And I mean, I, a lot of it's like, well, you're, the trail families are breaking up because our trail family went from nine people in the Sierras down to just, I was alone for like half of northern cal and that's pretty common i think people trail family split up after the sierras because there's not as much reason to stay together anymore yeah logistically and 
and especially and then, if people and, have different pace and yeah well everyone purposely stays together in sierra and then after because everyone's always saying as soon as we get out of the sierras man i'm gonna start doing 35 and some people are like oh i'm gonna do 20s and everyone just kind of starts doing their own thing and some people leave the trail for periods of things they didn't want to do and oh so we we split up entirely and then and then norcal is pretty monotonous it's got a lot of green tunnel um and then yeah you hit there's a lot of burn zones in norcal that are mm. horrible like horror stories on some of those and then you hit the halfway mark and you're like oh my god i'm only halfway done and you just it defeats you and then the trail doesn't even go in the right direction for like 100 oh, you're and... pissed off about that yeah well it doesn't help so you finally like all right i'm getting i got to get up get out of norcal get to oregon and then you realize like oh, over a week it's like you're not you never even went north yeah you went like 100 you said you went 135 miles but you didn't really go north no, not you didn't go north at all. Like you, you're you're just going west. So you go north a little, then you go south a little, north a little south. But you're going west generally, <laughs> and so then you just wasted a week. You didn't waste it, but it's like, I your goal is to get north, and you're not going north. And so, I think mentally that sucks. Um, but it, the last part of NorCal, right before Oregon, the last like hundred mile, hundred and hundred and fifty miles, it's pretty nice, man. So you start to get a little like reprieve towards the end. It's yeah. like you're above the trees more, and it's it's, pre- it's really pretty there. Yeah, well, so... And were you just trying to, like, make it slow down a little bit to soak it in? Uh, at that point, not really. <laughs> I think in Oregon and Washington, I, sl- I slowed down and wanted to take it easy and just take it, take it in, you know? Yeah. But at NorCal, I guess I don't remember feeling that way. I think I was just, yeah, lonely um kind of over it a little bit so yeah i guess i didn't, wasn't taking it all in and there wasn't that that much to take in in a lot of norcal too it's just burn zones and then you're in the trees and yeah except for that extreme northern part and the part southern part of norcal like around lake tahoe and sierra city that's cool that was super cool oh it's just crazy it's like See, for me, it's like, yeah, I'm a YouTube expert because you just see so much, you know, you're always jonesing when March starts in April, you're watching everyone's vlogs and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Just kind of, <laughs> my goodness, you yeah. just, you recognize, you just, they don't even say where they are and you know where they are. But uh, yeah, Oregon and Washington is such a mystery to me and I even haven't really focused like what are the little trail towns and where are they and which ones are they and the Sierras is sort of, well, you know, Sierras, I guess, same thing. You're a Sierra expert only from Kennedy Meadows to Forester Pass kind of thing, right? Because that's what you just see in the vlogs and all that kind of stuff. And Mount Whitney and... Yeah, I think that It's I think a little so. bit of a blur. Like, you don't focus that much. Because it's not like there's tons of trail towns. Like, you have these big, big, you know, water, not water carries, but food carries. I mean, you had a big one, even just with what? Tuolumne Meadows closed. Oh, uh, let's see. Yeah, that well, that was we had a lot of big food carriers in the Sierras, and that was just another one because yeah, Tuolumne the road was closed, the whole park was closed when we came through. Um, so that's another bad thing about early season is like you don't have the same resupply points. Your Trail Ranch was closed. Vermilion Valley Resort was closed. Hmm. Bishop Pass was mostly impassable by snow people did it but it was they said it was horrible so we so we skipped it so yeah it was like we only had like three outs the whole way through the sierras wow 
So it was big carries, man. I like tore tore my the strap, started tearing off my pack. And it was a Gossamer gear pack, and they they honored the warranty, but they're like, "Well, you overloaded it." I'm like, "Yeah, but I wasn't doing anything anyone else wasn't doing, and, and I don't have a scale." You said they said, "Oh, it's like a 35 pound weight limit." I'm like, "Oh, I don't know. I have no idea." I was just everyone else. I was just doing what I had to do to survive, and the pack is marketed as a through hiking pack, so so they were cool about it. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, my pack was probably 50 pounds when It'll I started those fit. sections. I guess it all fit. It fit barely. Yeah, it fit barely. I did. And later the pack started tearing at the seams because I was stuffing it so tight. <laughs> yeah. How was your sleep system? Um, I, it changed. It changed throughout the trail. It was like, let's see, I started with Thermarest. Like, I think the uh, the X-Lite, I forget the yellow one, whatever it is. Yeah. Um. And then that, that failed on me a couple times, man. And the, a few of those have failed on me over the years. So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try something else. I think, I think I kept patching it and then it finally just failed, like really failed, like just shredded. And then I stopped into Bernie and I bought like a big, heavy self-inflating pad to keep me going. And then I think at some point, gosh, I think I carried that for a while. And then, my wife brought me or we bought something around Dunsmuir. I got like a uh, Nemo tensor mm-hmm. pad. It's uh, an air, air mattress. And I really like that one even more than the Thermarest. And it's held the whole rest of the through hike and it's still going. So I'm really impressed with it. And it's more comfortable. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty thick. Yeah, it's 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 like a two ounces more, which I don't care if, it's, if it lasts longer. That's worth it to me. And, it, and it's really comfy and it doesn't squeak like the... The thermarest pads are like when you roll over, it sounds like you're on like a balloon. Yeah. And, and this pad's like pretty silent, so I really like it. Did you have a quilt? Yeah, uh, a enlightened equipment. Um, it's not the Enigma. It's the something, one of their quilts, but it's a. Uh, it's got like the toe box zips, has a zipper and a drawstring, but the rest of it's open. Enigma, not the Enigma. I just said that. I forgot the name of it. Anyway, this is crazy. Yeah, but it's I mean, nice though, man. It survived. It survived the whole through hike, and without, like, literally without a scratch, and it's perfect. Well, I got my fifty-three hundred or so foot climb done today, which took like five hours, and then the weather's just been horrible all day. Actually, started last night, and it's getting worse and worse and worse, and. Anytime I think there's like a sun break, I'm like, oh, it's going away. No, it just keeps keeps getting worse. So I stopped at like four o'clock after doing like 20 miles today and I'm done. Thankfully, it's not super, super cold, but it is so nasty out there. And now there's thunder and everybody I passed on the trail was done hiking and just camping and hiding. So Finally, eventually, it wore me down. I'm doing the same. The rain finally stopped last night around, I don't know, 7 o'clock. It was really too late to do anything, go hike more or anything like that. So, slept, which I needed to catch up on sleeping anyways. Uh, well, as I figured, it got below freezing last night, even though it had been super hot the last few days. Um, and now all my stuff's frozen, wet and frozen. So, it's going to be fun, fun morning. The only bright side is the sun sun is peeking out so 
Help us on the way. I woke up this morning, I was having those dreams, uh, those stressful hiking dreams where you're, I'm hiking and I look down and I don't have my shoes on. And I get off trail and I'm trying to find shoes, but I can only find one shoe. Uh, and th that whole thing where you're just like trying to get places and trying to get your stuff together and nothing's working out. And then, and then I remember getting, I was getting on trail and trail was so crowded. I had to keep stepping off, kept stepping off to let people pass. And I was thinking, geez, why, what the hell day is this? Like Memorial Day or something? What's going on? Like everything I try to do to, to move down the trail, something's wrong and I can't go. And it's, I know what that dream's about. It's about the way I'm feeling like yesterday. Just always something, a storm or conditions or a burn zone or down trees or something always stopping us. So it's, it's like emblematic of a through hike, I guess. What was your evenings like? Like what was kind of like the order of chores that you kind of did? Like what, what, what time did you basically stop hiking generally if you had to just average it out? Average it out like six o'clock. And then what, good was you, what was paint me a picture of like what would go down? What did you want to do with what order? Yeah, I usually I, everyone would tease me because I would usually stop and eat right away, like something. I would I usually always had like chips or crackers on my pack. Yeah, I would always keep like Doritos or something on the back of my pack, and I would usually always not planning to just stop and immediately eat a ton of chips. <laughs> Well, everyone else would set up. So I was usually one of the later ones to set up my my camp. And then, you know, it depends on where we were. Sometimes we would hang out outside and just talk and, and all eat together. And then were you some, a stove guy? Yeah, I, got a, I, had a, I had a jet boil, actually, which I recommend for, like, the, the Sierras because it, it actually boils water at high elevation, extreme cold. Or yeah. some of those like ultralight stoves, they really wouldn't. <laughs> and you're wasting so much heat. I know people had like like tinfoil like little wraps they made to yeah. try to trap heat, but I did the jet boil. I'll take a little extra weight for the fuel savings and the, the efficiency of that thing's great. So but yeah, back to your thing. Some you were asking, sometimes we would all eat together, like in the Sierras and talk about the day, plan the next day. When the trail finally broke up more and the mosquitoes got bad, no no one wanted to hang out outside anymore. So it would mostly just like set up your, you know, your tent, your bed, you get inside. I would usually cook. I started getting pretty lazy. I would just cook inside my tent, which yeah. you're not supposed, supposed to do in bear country, but I did anyway. And uh, it never was an issue, but yeah, it's, on a real lazy night when I'm just over it, I would just eat a, eat a box of Triscuits. That was my dinner. So I was too lazy to cook and then I'd fall asleep. I'd usually throw on like a podcast. But man, I tell I don't think I got through hardly a single podcast ever. I would always be out <laughs> before yeah. it was done. Did you listen to a lot of music in the day, or yeah. audio books or podcasts? I listened to the podcasts like and then a lot of music, man. Uh, especially on the hill climbs, I'd try to listen to music that would pump me up. What kind of music did you listen to? You know, I I I was like coming of age in the late '90s and the um, you know early 2000s, so I was like pop punk is like my my thing like blink 182 uh yellow card no effects pennywise let's see who else so all this stuff that's like melodic but it has a ton of energy and it's really fast that's what i would listen to because like i could bliss to it and also it just gives me a ton of energy for that was what i would go to music for energy for like i need to get pumped up for this climb like give me something give me something like fast give me something 
hard, you know, that's what I wanted. That's what I used it for. Cool. When did you do your editing? Did you try to do it mostly like in town? Um, yeah, I never really did it on the trail. Yeah. Just too tired, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Were you, uh, did you get up early mostly? Mostly. Yeah. You kind of, yeah, I just had to, and we were walking 28 miles a day or something. You know, we'd walk 20, anywhere from like 26 to 31 miles a day. And it takes all day, especially if you take like an actual lunch break. So can't, you can't hang. I couldn't hang around camp too much, man. I would just be up like earlier than I wanted to be for sure. I'd always make, co- I always make coffee. That was another reason I carried a stove. I like one, one cup of coffee is like a necessity. Two is be, I'd love it if I had time to have two and just really sit, just chill. And then use I like instant coffee or yeah, just freeze dried. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I usually would not eat breakfast. Some people did, but I just would pack up bars out from my food bag and just put them in my pockets and eat them as I went. Did you stop for like a second breakfast? Um, I guess sometimes if I was just dying of hunger, yeah, I would stop. Yeah. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't pull out the stove. No, man, no. the stove only stove for like stove only came just out the at evenings. night. Yeah, just coffee in the morning, and then the dinner would be something with the stove related but yeah my my lunches are all like wrapped anything i could put in a tortilla i got sick of sick of everything but it always was a tortilla so it was like i'd switch from like peanut butter and honey peanut butter and jelly got tired of the sweet i'd go all right tuna packs and cheese or in salami we'd carry all kinds of like perishable stuff that you're not supposed to do you're not supposed you're supposed to refrigerate yeah we didn't i got away with a lot of stupid stuff man we carried, yeah, I carried, carried mayonnaise. I carried um, all kinds of meat, salamis and ham, and just like totally unrefrigerated for like a I long time. They're good, I think. I wouldn't worry about salami. Mayonnaise, I guess, it's a little. Uh, I don't know. Really I mean, cold, but. Well, yeah, in the Sierras, it was it was like a refrigerator, so it didn't really yeah. matter. But 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 further north, it it was it was a little sketchy, but nothing nothing bad happened from it. I remember my salami like turned gray one time, and I still ate it. I don't know how bad that is. <laughs> did you but, did you pick out in in towns and stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I always wanted when I got to town. I always wanted to like eat really healthy to make up for not eating healthy. But it doesn't it didn't work out that way for me because you need I needed the calories so bad that the only thing that would do it was like pizza and burgers. I because, like burgers. Burgers are great. Yeah. Like pizza, it's like. Pizza's good, but I always feel like you get nothing out of it. Like, but big ass burgers, I love. Yeah, pizza though is like low. It's got an incredible amount of calories, especially if you load it with like pepperoni and stuff. Yeah, that's true. But I like burgers too. But yeah, so definitely not a lot of healthy eating going on on the trail or in town because the towns are just like I got a calorie load. Give me the like most calorically dense thing that you have. You know, every single meal I had to think like that, so you couldn't couldn't really come in and eat like how it probably should have been eaten it's just salads and like beans and rice and stuff another beautiful morning in northern california i am about five miles from highway 299 and going into the town of bernie um past mile 1400 yesterday did hat creek rim a couple days ago we went through uh lassen national park which was completely burned the route we went through from that Dixie fire. 
Uh, Northern Cal has been amazing, uh, beautiful, not as dramatic as the Sierras, but I've had my happiest days on trail here. I've had days where I was just so unbelievably happy for no reason, just feeling so much love and just hope and I don't know, just so stoked on life and to be out here and appreciative of this experience. You know, the cow's been awesome. I found out last night that Big Marmot, the guy who's been a fixture in all my vlog posts and Instagram posts for the big since mile 100, uh, got off trail yesterday permanently. Uh, he had a medical emergency in his family and uh, he's flying back to Serbia. He's not coming back to hike anymore this year. Uh, his departure is a pretty big blow. He's a guy that in the initial, my initial trail family kind of split up around mile, I don't know, 300 or something. And I had a choice to go with the other crew or stay with his crew and I chose to stay with his crew because of him uh, he, he you know I think both of us uh, were missing our family and missing home and uh, him being from Serbia I knew he was missing his family and his home more than me he had to have been and so if, if he could do it uh, if, if he could keep his spirits up then so could I that's the way I saw it so I kind of selfishly wanted him around for uh, moral support for myself because I kind of drew strength from, strength from that guy. Um, love him to death, he's my brother. And he's gone, he's going home. I wish him the best, he made it past the halfway mark. Love you, big marmot. When you were farther up on the trail, you, you got hooked up with some of the people that you were connected more, I think, in the desert um that you finished with is that true yeah uh, and then, like how many people did you have in your tramley in the desert we, we were probably like, like at the end of the desert we were like probably nine deep we were probably well, nine yeah, of us then i guess you're you're gearing up for the you're making your sierra team i guess yeah you're making your sierra team as you go through the desert so and then yeah we had that was a pretty big crew we just kept recruiting people and i don't know it was pretty social it was kind of cool i was i was living the dream because as a section hacker i never got that before so i was like all in more the merrier i want as many people around i want to i want to party the whole way up the trail you know this time because this is my my big chance to do that and so we went through the sierra with that many people and then it all just pretty much broke up after that but i think that's pretty typical um but yeah so i finished with two people from the original trail family hmm. and a bunch of other people that i met later that were like doing flip-flop hikes and different things but it's funny when we got to the terminus like yeah it was special that we'd hike that whole way together pretty much but you know it's funny all the other people i met they were like doing section hikes or or flip-flops they were no no less my friends by that time you know that's that goes to show you how long that trail is you forget that some of those people weren't even there the whole time because by the time you're done it's like you feel they may have only walked one state with you or one and a half states with you but you still feel like you just they're just your closest friends you know i f yeah. forget forget they weren't there the whole time why now part two
In a previous episode, I talked about my first reason why I want to hike this trail at this point in my life. Second reason, I need this now in my life. You know, at a certain age, it's like, you know, I spent so much of my life, you know, build, building, building a life for myself. And I built a good life and it's super comfortable. And like all these things that I always thought I wanted, I got. Uh, a lot of them I realized I didn't really want them. But that's a different story. But I've got all these comforts, you know, and and generally as Americans we have a lot of comforts. But I'm just saying, like I had I have a lot of comforts in my life and but I start I start to resent them all. I find myself like turning against them. I'm selling things, um, getting rid of toys, getting rid of stuff I don't use. I, I don't I don't want it, doesn't mean it doesn't mean as much to me. So in a way this is like this is like a turning point for me. Uh I'm putting a stamp on this next, you know, this next phase of my life, and I'm deciding to live it different. Um, I'm valuing experiences over possessions. What good are comforts if you never experience discomfort? If you if you can't come out here or wherever and and, and rough it, and you know, live live primitively and be okay, what 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 good are comforts if you have no point of reference for what's discomfort? If you don't know discomfort what's the point of a comfort because then the comforts are just normal and you don't think anything of them so it, it enhances my appreciation for the way we live for you know in this first world country uh it enhances my appreciation for people the loneliness of being out here uh enhances my appreciation for people you know been on this earth a while you've been in relationships for a long time maybe things you know they don't mean as much to you or you just don't you take it for granted i guess i would say being out here that's all a race and it's like a fresh start on everyone you know you you look at everyone differently think of everyone differently so that's really really valuable to me at this point in my life i uh you i guess you must have followed me uh on instagram but obviously you know you follow people you don't clue who they are or whatever but there was somebody who wasn't hiking the pct but he must have slipped and fell and passed away in the sierras yeah i know you're talking about and he was excellent really good at photography and he he did some vlogs too because i think the year before he kind of hiked it right and yeah some people called him hawk on on instagram i because he was from somewhere in europe i mean he lived in the states but he lived in the states yeah he he would he hiked with us for a little while um we we knew him as lambo like short for lamborghini no i was gonna ask Uh, you if you ever if you ever bumped into him yeah we hiked with him because i think when i posted about him i don't know if it was you but i think you it was kind of a shock because yeah we hiked with him through like the um uh, San Gabriel Mountain, no, not San Gabriel. Yeah, San Gabriel Mountains, in okay. lot, like the Los Angeles National Forest. And he he was like doing kind of tra- like semi trail running sections. Like I think he had done the PCT before, and he was just like they're making up sections or just doing repeating stuff for fun. And so he, yeah, we did like a chunk with him, and then he 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 ran back, got, went back to his car, and then I guess he, uh, we had heard that someone had died on on whitney on the climbers route from coming up from mm-hmm. the east side but no idea who it was we just heard someone fell and 
like oh yeah we got to be really careful on that on that climb because like someone just died like a week ago not when we got into bishop i saw on instagram i don't even know maybe you, you posted it someone posted says rest in peace hawk and that was his picture i'm like are you kidding me that's who that was yeah, I, was I think like, it was I you believe that it. post. I think you, well, at least you just commented on it. And I thought, like, maybe that's where you found out or whatever or saw it. Or... Yeah, that's where I found out. No, I didn't know it was him that had died until we saw his picture. Yeah. Very sweet. Like, I didn't know him, but just watched his vlogs and you could just tell he was just like a very salt of the earth, very sweet, caring, very gentle guy, like a very peaceful guy. Like, Yeah, that was kind of my life. take on him. Yeah. And really, really helpful to all of us. He was just doing sections, but he always like, he had a car, you know, around because he was doing sections. So he'd always be like making sure he would pick us up and drive us places. And he was always really, really nice about that. He was a really cool guy. Mm-hmm. Really good photographer. Really liked, you know, like just doing a really good job at like, like just more of the cinematography. And yeah. Yeah. Like, like you just hate to see any of that stuff and obviously um this year i mean there was a young lady who um passed away after forester's pass yeah i heard about i heard about that on trail and then i read about it later was that yeah. was she behind you yeah she was behind uh so it's crazy because yeah i first when people said oh yeah she died of altitude sickness i doubt i kind of doubted i said well that's maybe what they think she died of but not, no one on the trail would really know necessarily right. know what she actually died of but then when i read the story later i'm like yeah actually she probably did die from that because it was like she had she had been having symptoms yeah a lot so of it's symptoms. maybe for like three four days and obviously she went up whitney and you know some people were kind of like you know head down head down like but she was meeting friends up at the top and uh but you know that was probably on day three of symptoms and stuff so yeah she shouldn't well i don't want lecture we shouldn't have stayed in there i just know that yeah that's not how you're supposed to treat that but i mean it's weird because all of us we all did the same you know a thousand people did the same thing and only it only happened to her so i can't explain that you know yeah yeah oh yeah you never know like yeah it's just uh and and some people yeah some people just have a lot of i guess they're impacted with altitude sickness and some people push through or just take some pills or i mean everybody might experience it different and stuff, yeah but I, I we had a one of the girls tuna in our group she got sick but we don't never know i don't know if it was altitude sickness in hindsight but it was like she it was a first night camped over ten thousand feet mm. and it was on the way up to the next day was you know crabtree meadows and the base of mount whitney so it was our first day camped really high. Next morning she woke up, she's just puking and she looked terrible. Hope she's not listening, but she did look terrible. And uh we're like, we gotta get you out of the mountains. And so we knew we had just passed oh gosh, I can't remember this trail that goes down the Lone Pine. And we're like, all right, so it's like a mile back. So so I didn't go with her, but two people went with her out of the Sierras and hitched and she rested up for like a week in town. And then hooked back up with us for the north. But she went to the hospital. And she I guess they didn't think it was altitude sickness. But in the time, we didn't, you know, that was a logical thing to think. Sure. So we knew we had to get her out of there. She can't, she's not going to continue like that. Because once, you, once you're already sick, I mean, it's probably a little too late. Like, you need to get down. 
Yeah, and there's only certain exit points too, right? So Yeah, especially early season. There's not many that you can actually get out. Um yeah. and and that one was one that had just opened. Like we had heard in Kennedy Meadows it, that it was still closed, and the, but then a hiker came in on it when we were there. So we're like, we knew it was open. They had just opened it like a day before. And so we knew that she could get a ride out of there. Um, and she did. So, what was Apache Peak like? Like back in San Jacinto when in that before Idlewild? What was that? What was that like? Because obviously there was like Trevor. I had Doug on. Like uh, we on episode nine, we had Doug Doug Layer, yeah, Chad and stuff. And uh, but what was Apache Peak like when you went through it? Because what what was your start date? Uh, this year March sixteenth. Yeah. What was yeah? It, what Apache Peak and stuff when you went? Not through? you know not both. So I did it two years in a row, and both times it, it wasn't that bad. Um, nothing like what Trevor experienced. It was just like it was a little sketchy. But but it wasn't even the worst part of the San Jacintos both times. There's sketchier, bigger snowfields further up. It's just that's the most notorious one because that's like it weed. That's the one that weeds everybody out because it's the first one, you know. Mm. So if you're gonna have a problem, it likely is gonna be the the first sketchy one that takes people out. If you're, I mean, if you're not equipped or whatever. Mm-hmm. But but when we yeah, you keep going. There's far far gnarlier ones up the mountain, but. If you can handle Apache, then you can probably handle them too, you know? Yeah. If you got spikes and you got, so we, uh, yeah, you have, we used the, our, our ice axes for like self belay on some of the slopes. Um, but yeah, like I said, there was worse than Apache for sure. That one was just like, just a little sketchy in a couple little spots, but it wasn't, it wasn't the worst. But I, I thought like the San Jacinto's was like pretty gnarly when I went through until I went, till I had gone through the Sierras. But yeah. I could see I could see how you could die in there. Yeah, you have to be kind of careful. Oh yeah, it's like and the, his morning and stuff. It was just like there was just ice underneath, right? And there wasn't there wasn't a lot of footsteps. And no, stuff. and I think yeah, if there was, they would have been covered up because they they just snowed more on they that. They didn't have spikes that. either. There was three of them. They didn't. None of them had spikes. Yeah. I'm surprised they were, they were gonna they, get them in Idlewild the next day. I know. Surprised they all didn't fall, but man, that's that's rough. I don't know what to say because I don't know. It's just gnarly. It's just gnarly to be in there when you're. I would. I mean, I don't. I'm cautious, but I would look at that slope if I would ter- take the turn around Apache Peaks North Side and look at that without spikes and be like, absolutely no way I'm going there. It's like a two thousand foot very vertical slope all the way down the mountain below you mm-hmm. it's really scary <laughs> yeah. but i'm so i'm such a i'm so cautious man i'm like oh i i don't want to die out here so i look at everything like that way like what's what's the safest thing i could do here you know that's my well everybody has different abilities and, and you know like yeah like you said like i mean you had gear and stuff and uh you just you just have to just if you don't feel comfortable, like it's okay to go around. That's really like, that's the message that Doug says, which is big like, you know, it's okay to go around if you have to. So yeah, absolutely. You, you don't know, feel comfortable with any, and some people, it's not like everyone goes up Whitney. Some people just don't feel comfortable and Hey, that's okay. You know? Yeah. No big deal. I got an interesting story about Whitney, man, too, a little bit about danger and stuff. And this, this could come in handy for anybody, but, 
we the southern sierras for us had pretty low snow so when we got to crabtree meadows and the base of mount whitney people that had gone up the day before like ah one guy said it's fine that he said there's no snow at all and someone else said oh there's pretty much no snow you don't even need spikes so we heard that from two people and so i was like all right well i'm not bringing my spikes i'm not carrying extra weight and that was a mistake that was <laughs> probably, a mistake. i probably I, bring spikes though well i should have um should have should have brought spikes and an axe man i don't it doesn't it doesn't take much snow to to kill yourself i mean there was someone said there was no snow on the trail that's not true they had gone up the day before during the day when the snow was soft and there was you know there wasn't the ice but we went up for sunrise so it was still yeah, dark yeah you left early so all all the the snow melt had refroze so there was sheets of ice across the trail with like thousands of foot, foot drops on, on the side so big freaking mistake not bringing spikes and stuff man and i almost paid for it i i slipped on some ice and almost went down this thing that probably would have killed me and i was just cursing not i was cursing myself uh for listening to people first for listening to people that maybe aren't the smartest people or aren't very careful telling me i don't need spikes i'm like so so the whole rest of the trip anyone i saw i was like bring spikes do not listen to what anyone says take spikes all it takes is one of those slopes and, and you're dead. Do, take your spikes and use them. Yes. I totally so, agree. Crazy. I don't know. There's a lot. There's, this is something, man. We, here, here's the difference between men and women, right? We talked about this on the trail. Like I would talk about this with my trail family. Cause it was like 50, 50 men, women. I'm like, women are just so much more cautious. And I actually start, I, I was watching like a podcast and it was talking about how many you know people that died and they're using national park data because they keep good records on this. It's like 78%. They did this study, look back at all the people that had died in these five national parks. And it's 78% men that get themselves killed. And it's, and you, you look at the, the, the point of the podcast was like, if you want to survive, if, if there's a woman in your crew and she won't do it, then don't do it. Um, that was the point that, that they're smart and you're stupid. And that, we, you know, because they're not trying to impress anyone and we are, we're genetically, we're that way. So mm-hmm. I, 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 when I listened, it was all the men that told me you don't need spikes. And I heard that over and over again. Oh, you don't need an ax. Oh, you don't need this. It's always the men saying that it's never the women. Uh, so I think there's a certain amount of like, people want to be, guys want to be tough or cool or whatever. They don't need safety gear, you know? But I would not. Li- I would not listen to them. Spikes don't hardly weigh anything, and if there's any doubt, if there's any doubt at all, I would carry spikes and even an axe if you think that you need to. I never really cared. Like I never was one of those guys that like was trying to be cool, so I didn't care if I like broke out the axe when no one else did. So yeah, anything can happen. I mean, whatever. I mean, sometimes you just you're so tired, you can easily like just don't lift your feet and trip over something really i I did that yeah i did all that i yeah i almost almost went off santa or uh, i almost went off whitney and then i further up the trail i i did go off the trail it wasn't even in the snow but it was like on this really steep kind of cliffy area and i just i don't know what i did it happened so fast like i slipped on a rock or something i straight i went somersaulting down this almost cliffs ravine um, and, and I, and I, someone said, what happens? I honestly, it happened so fast. I don't know. 
but it's like, yeah, you can, you can fall off anything. So there's some things you can't prevent. That's true. But I think I just would hate to be that person. that's like, has to maybe survive and go tell, tell your wife that you were stupid and you should have used your spikes. And you're just, I, I always would picture that be like, what would I tell my wife if I didn't, if I fell and, and I told her, yeah, I didn't have my spikes on. She'd be livid. So I was like, I'm gonna just gonna do. I'm gonna do everything I can think to do to keep myself safe. And and if it's not enough, it's not enough. But at least I won't have to blame my stupid self for making a dumb mistake. You know. I you know a lot of people like you know sometimes something might happen and no one like you could be just be alone and you were like and maybe you could have fell, but then you say to yourself never again. Like I will never be this stupid. Like I will. You know, yeah. like if something saves you and, and something bad doesn't happen to you, you always kind of like pray to somebody or pray to something of like, okay, I will never, thank you so much for not letting me fall. I will, you know, I'll never be in this position again. Like I'll always be more careful or, or whatever, you know, whether it's like, you know, you almost get into a car accident or whatever, whatever, but. Yeah, I do know what you mean, man. That was, I agree with you. That was, that was what Whitney was for me. I was and so mad. You don't want to, like so... I've heard people on podcasts where they're they're like they want to tell a story, but they don't want their mom to know because they it's a story they would never tell their mom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell my wife about that incident. I wasn't going to tell her, but someone else in my chair family told her. But I didn't want because I didn't want her to worry about me. But I, I was I was so that was that moment for me where I was like. Well, lesson learned for next time, right? So Yeah, well, you got plenty of other opportunities to employ that lesson on that trip because that was just the first, that was the first sketchy one. So, yeah, but then from then on, man, I was like, nope, I'm I'm all about, I'm putting on the spikes. If there's any question, I'm breaking out the axe if there's any question at all. And, hey, it served me well, you know. Oh, yeah. Because you know what? You, you know, you could have an ice axe, but sometimes you don't know like you know how sometimes it doesn't matter like you uh you you could slip and fall but you might be so paralyzed in fear that you don't even try to use the ice axe because you're right. just like you yeah. don't know you don't know until something happens like you know you might say like my goodness i mean i, I remember my daughter just on a on a slide and i kind of knew she was gonna fall just just a slide like at the park but and she was starting to fall, but I was paralyzed. Like I couldn't, I couldn't lunge huh. forward. Like yeah. I was just, I was terrified. So you don't know what, you know, whether someone's gonna rob you at a bank machine or you're walking towards four creepy looking dudes that look like they wanna, they want your shoes or whatever. You just don't know how you'll react until it happens. I know, and I and I, when we're in the, when we're talking about ice axes, right? I don't, I don't, I never, I never did actually fall with my axe where I was like sliding and had to self arrest. So I don't, don't know for sure. The only, the only, I practiced it a lot before trail, but those are all like when I knew I was going to fall and it was in a controlled environment. You know, you just don't know. I don't know. You just don't know. Like, I guess sometimes you always think like, oh, if I fell, I'll do it. But if my daughter falls, oh, maybe she won't do it. You know, you always, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I do know what you mean. I think for you, you know, I think it's an instinctual thing is to try to dig in into something in the ice, I think. But I yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah. We 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 had a pretty experienced mountaineer in our in our trail family, and he, and he even said he he knew all the techniques and he knew exactly what we should do in every scenario. So I'd always ask him, okay, what should we do? How should I do this one? And but he said too, he's never actually self arrested in a in an actual like fall. Yeah. So, but I guess that's a good mountaineer though, right? Because they never got themselves in a situation where they lost control. Well, what were the rivers like this year for you? You know, again, not not like stuff I've seen on YouTube in 2017 and 19. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, but I know they freaked a lot of people out, especially the the girls in our trail family because just smaller size. You know, like the mm-hmm. hydrology just that they have they're deeper in the water for their for their size you know there's more pushing on them but um so they were sketchy kind of sketchy but nothing that i think that would have could have or would have killed anybody and so it wasn't one of those years you know right but they would be up pretty deep and i i I was lucky because like like i'm a big dude so i i paid for that on the snow because everyone else could walk over stuff that i would break through on this you know so i i I post hold on the snow more than anyone um but i got payback and because on the water crossings i would like i was way more confident on the water because i just have more mass and more mass like above the water so i think sometimes too people get to a river and it's a little bit sketchy but you know they don't take the time to really i don't know walk the distance upstream or downstream to really look for an alternative i guess i mean sometimes you just you just want to you know you have somewhere that you got to be somewhere that you want to pitch a tent i'm not saying i'm just saying in general like you know sometimes people don't um they should have walked more or walked towards a meadow where it might be wider and less yeah you know i I may have been one of those people that should uh, on that, but so I guess if you, in hindsight, I was less careful on water crossings than I was on the snow. And that's just because of like my, my own fears. I'm not, I'm more comfortable in water than yeah, snow. And it, it wasn't like you 2017, know? 2019 either too. So there's no, like, it, so to me, I didn't look at it as at all. None of it seemed like life threatening to me. The snow seemed life threatening to me. Like I could die if I mess up, but the rivers, I looked at those and I'm like, ah, uh, no, the worst, like worst case you take a little swim and have to paddle over. But like, so I didn't look at them as like, as like life or death. So I was like, ah, sometimes I get lazy and just like, I just want to keep going and I'll just take the, like a stupid route across it to get really wet because I'm not willing to put the time in. But that was only because it, it wasn't, it wasn't life or death. That's, that's why. How old are you? Oh, uh, 48 now i was 47 when i did the trail would you say that it's like the older you are the more scared you are walking on ice compared to like a young kid yeah um especially because you remember when you were young like you know you remember i remember when i was young i i would just kind of dance on ice like just with my shoes i'd be like you know what i mean but then and then you look at some old guy and he's like walking like he's brittle and he doesn't want to fall and break a hip, but and you think like, oh, like, I don't, I don't get it. But now that I'm older, it's, I don't know, it's, it's more scarier walking on ice when you're older. Yeah, I don't know. I know that the young, yeah, the young men 
I'll, I'll give the gender example again. We're definitely like bigger risk takers. And that's like statistically is like proven, you know, like they don't, they feel invincible and stuff. But I think like all, all the women of all ages were more, definitely more cautious across the board with the snow and with the water and with kind of with everything. So like, I was thinking that, the, that there wasn't a big difference between me and them, but yeah, like the, the 18 to 25 year old guys, or I don't know, I don't know if it's just that they feel invincible or they are trying to show off maybe some of that. Cause sometimes, you know, when you get like, you know, I used to play lots of basketball and whatever, and you, you still feel like I can still play basketball, but you just, you get older. It's like, you can't do what you used to do, even though in your mind you could kick everyone's ass, <laughs> you know, but sometimes, you know, when you look at the reality, it's like, your balance is not, it's not horrible, but I'm just like, it's just not the same. You yeah. Know, whether it's balance, endurance, whatever, whatever, but just even just like the fear, like your fear of, you don't want to fall and break your hip where little Man. kids don't, don't think of that. Yeah, that's really true. I'll tell you on the trail, we still, I still fell. I fell hundreds of times. I fell and all in that 500 miles of snow. Like I, I guess I wasn't afraid of fall. I was afraid of dying. I was afraid of sliding a thousand feet down a slope and crashing hard onto a bunch of rocks and either dying or getting severely mangled. And I, I don't know if that's like age or not, but I, 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 I felt, I fell hundreds of times in all kinds of different manners and angles. And I mean, if you're going through the Sierras in the snow, you're going to fall like you know, tw- you know 15 times a day or something like that probably so i don't know man i like thankful i'm lucky that my body's really held up and i don't have to like work so far i haven't had to like baby it too much man and i and i couldn't i couldn't afford to on that trail so i don't know yeah. but i think i think there's a difference in i think of the consequences a lot and that comes from experience i think right yeah Oh, crazy. Where it was like a 20 year old kid doesn't probably much think about it or think that they'll be fine. Sometimes I also think like, cause I'm doing it with my daughter. It's sort of like, you know, I mean, if you do it by yourself, if you get injured, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is like, I don't want to be the one that gets injured and, and kind of wreck her hike, you know, or, or something could happen with her. You could just have a fluke injury and it derails our, our big dream and stuff like that. Like when you're hiking by yourself, it, it's a bummer, but you're only letting yourself down. You're not letting someone else down. Yeah. That's interesting. You have to, you have to think about that stuff too, man. And you know, the more with two people, there's more likely, there's more likelihood that one of you will have an injury, right? Cause now there's two people. Yeah. And, and, and I'll say this, man, like, my experience was that it didn't enti- it didn't seem to ma- matter like the age. I, I mean, I guess I'm telling you, I wouldn't worry too much about that. I mean, no. Um, you'd be surprised how many like 22 year old guys are just limping with shin splints and like tendonitis of like the anterior, the front of the shin and ankle is like the number one overuse injury and in, of all three hikers. I just heard that from a different podcast that some physical therapist was saying that 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 was like working the trail and she's a trail angel and that's the number one. Oh, was that like and that... The, the red van blaze. I can't remember her name, but that sounds about right. But she, blaze she... physio. She has a dog too. 
Oh yeah, that's not really that's sweet right. girl. Like she, she camped out a lot at the beginning of the trail this year. This was kind of her first year of being remote, and she's getting yeah, so a new that... van for next year. Okay, cool. So yeah, that's the person I'm talking about. Anyway, I just she's yeah. she she was talking about injuries on the trail, and that's a really good podcast. But I I know as yeah, yeah, as older people, you're you're more prone to that stuff too. But that seems to be the like overuse injuries are the most thing that common thing that takes people out and that tendonitis that was god it was common and all ages of people too um because you're just going from doing not much of anything to 20 miles a day plus on like a lot of ups and downs and with weight on your back and it just mm-hmm. gets a lot of people but i didn't have it i didn't have it this year i had it in 2021 but i didn't have it this year I don't know if you saw my like one of those the early blogs. I had a brace on my ankle. I had like a carbon fiber brace on my ankle, and I was able to get rid of it after the desert, I think. But that was because of a 2021 tendonitis that I was like certain was going to flare back up, and it, and it didn't. <laughs> That's the weirdest thing about the trail. I'll get off on a little tangent, but it's like it seems like it's almost therapeutic. If you if you don't get if you don't create any new injuries doing it it seems like old ailments go away. Like I could have a nagging tendonitis in the ankle like I did or nagging low back pain. Right. Yeah. And I go out on the trail and three weeks of hiking where you think it should be worse. You think it like beating yourself up to that extent should make your ailments get worse. And it seems like for me, it, it always makes them better. No, I mean, for the people that, I mean, obviously the, the people that vlog, there is some people like, yeah, they're hobbling at the beginning in a way. And eventually it kind of goes away, but they're still hiking every day. Sure. Yeah. Might've taken one or two zeros, but yeah, but there is that... things that you think, Oh my God, this is going to hamper the person, the whole trail. And it just, it goes away. Yeah. Isn't that amazing though? Cause it, what, the body needs time and rest to heal. That's what I've always learned. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like a sports med, I have a sports med like undergrad. And that was sort of my thing for a while. And I went into like, prosthetics and orthotics and building building like braces and prosthetics and stuff but uh, they always you have to everything you have to rest you have to rest your body um for any injury to heal but so how is it that through hikers can not do that just keep pushing through which is what you're not supposed to do and 50 percent of the time it like works out it goes away like at what point did your body rest enough to heal? How did, how does it go away? I would just be curious. I'm sure it's never been studied, but like, how, how is it that we can do that to ourselves and, and our bodies respond and even get stronger while we do it? I think sometimes too, your body, sometimes, you know, you're putting stress on your body and it, it, it wants to like react of like, Hey, what are you doing to me? But then once it figures out, this is your new daily norm, it can relax a little bit too. Yeah. Same with water. Like, you know, if you if you don't generally drink a lot of water, then all of a sudden you just start drinking tons of water every day for a a certain period of time. Your body freaks out because you're like, oh, my God, you're trying to drown me in a way. But then after a while, once it gets to that new norm of like, oh, my God, you know, you get it. You're going to drink a liter, a gallon every day or whatever. Your body just adapts to it because it's your new norm. But at first, it wants to resist and try to protect you, or you know whether it shuts down or tries to compensate. It's just I don't know. It's interesting. 
It's really interesting. But yeah, it just goes against everything I've ever been taught because you, your body can adapt, but it's, it usually needs time to do it. So like when, when you go to the gym and you lift weights, you stress your body and then you don't lift, you don't exercise that part of your body for you know, three days or four days. And that's when it heals and then grows stronger. Then you, then you exercise it again and then it needs a time to heal and then get stronger and then you do it again. So that's how you get stronger. But why is it we can just go beat the heck out of ourselves every single day and the body still finds time somehow in there when you're eating nothing but top ramen and potato chips to get stronger? Like it just that's incredible. I mean, it almost is like the human body is meant to be nomadic and meant to 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 do like something similar to a through hike. It's like you're, we're unlocking some like human potential that no one knew about, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because we don't run, you don't run a mar- marathon runners. That's what my wife is. She doesn't run a marathon every day. That'd be suicide. Like that's the dumbest thing in the world. You run like a couple a year, right? Well, we walk them on trail with heavy weight on rocky like slopes every yeah. single day. Wasn't it like three years ago? What didn't didn't some dude like almost run like a marathon every day for like months? Um, I did. I thought I maybe heard something about that. That'd be interesting yeah. to see. I well, just, it's yeah. that's what thru hikers do, though. I mean, you're, yeah. okay. Let me make this argument: thru hikers are not running. That's true, but you do marathon distance in the mountains on at high elevation with a ton of elevation change on loose rocky terrain with oftentimes snow you're walking across and 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 you have weight on your back so you're i mean in my opinion you're, you're doing a marathon worth of work every single day and then marathon runners get to sleep in beds and eat regular food we're eating top ramen and we're sleeping on air mattresses and yeah then you get, we get because your air mattress is, is waking you up when you roll over and yeah and you're still, still gonna blow over and all you hear is wind all night long right and then you still gotta wake up and eat a granola bar and go do another marathon. So it, I don't know. It's a trip. It, it, it's almost defies what you think the human body should be able to do. It's really cool. I love it for that. Like this shouldn't be possible, but it is somehow. And then you finish a through hike and you're kind of like walking and then you go home and you don't have a pack on and you like, you're hobbling and you got oh. nothing on your shoulders and you can't even like walk from the couch to the kitchen. <laughs> you know i i had a lot of that when i on the trail and off when i first get up but it always would go it would always go away and but yeah for a while for like a month after trail i was like get out of a car like oh i'm I'm walking like i hope no one's looking right now because i look ridiculous i can barely move and but then i'd loosen up and be fine so I'm i'm lucky i didn't have any like real permanent damage from that just muscle tightness and sore feet that's it it's crazy you know, when I got home, I would look at the local mountains and, and the hills that I used to think were big, and I'd look at them like, that looks so much smaller. I could, walk, I could walk right up. Shoot, I walked right up the side of these things. No problem. Yeah, and look I, at me, Timothy Olson. I'm going to run up there and touch that feet. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> but I've, I've kind of since lost some of that. But it was cool for a while. Welcome home. 1,692 miles of walking from the Mexican border to the Oregon State border home i've been looking forward to this for the entire hike not that you know the majority of the hike has been awesome it's just i know that my life's gonna get even more awesome once i'm home any part of oregon you know i'm always within a few hours of my dogs my wife my friends all my comforts everything i know 
hiking on the familiar terrain, terrain I've hiked before. I know all the good views. I know all the good places to stop. And just the relief that I feel today, uh, having accomplished that. I remember when I first saw the Oregon-California border sign on the PCT, it was 2019 when my wife and my dogs were starting to do sections. We were going to section hike all of Oregon. And I saw that sign. We started at the sign going north. And I couldn't believe, I just couldn't believe that that number was real, like 1,692 miles. That's It's unbelievable, or at least it was. It was, but now I did it. I walked it, and then some, actually, through the highest mountains in the state of California, the highest point in the lower 48 states, through deep valleys, deserts, 450 miles of snow, down trees, burn zones, poorly maintained trail, river crossings, and to arrive here at home is just unbelievable. It's really unbelievable. Could be the most amazing day of the trail so far. Part two is dropping soon, very soon. He's in Oregon, he's in his backyard, he's walking home. But that's difficult because he's gonna then leave home to finish up the trail as he heads north. We'll talk to him about how that last slug was, but then, you know, the things that he was thinking about. I mean, this trail really changed his life. And by listening to the audio segments, you can sort of hear that about the things that he thinks about and the why, you know, the why he's hiking the Pacific Crest Trail this year. So we're going to talk to him as we move into Washington and also talk to him about what's it like getting off trail. So stay tuned, give it a follow, watch our Instagram. We'll let you know when it drops. Talk soon. Strive. Skateboard affair with a primal tribe Charging down those craggy mountains Without thrift store friends Who you find so So in love with the fallen earth Who you wake in the middle of the fallen night With the summer playing coy Don't forget to follow us on social. Our handle is PCT Just Do It, which is P-C-T-J-S-D-O-I-T. We use that handle on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. You can find links to our social channels and other links on our website, hikethepct.ca. And when you hit the menu on the website, we have other things, like our gear lists, PCT trail notes, projected expenses, current savings, and other links, and other information about our hike.